The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone, Erin Lane, who is the author of Something Other Than a Mother, <laughs> which I'm really excited to talk about because uh, as a 40-year-old child-free person, Erin um, has actually taught me um, how to reframe this conversation I think that in this moment, we need to rethink being a mother, the decision not to be a mother. And so we're going to discuss all of that this morning. Erin, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You're a delight. And it's a delight to be here. Thank you. So I'm so excited for this conversation, in part because I'm 40. So one of the things, even before the pandemic, as I sort of got in my upper 30s, I did this thing where I'm not saying that like I couldn't decide tomorrow to be like, okay, I want to have kids somehow. Let's figure this out. Um, But in my later 30s, I was like, you know, it may happen. It may not. Let's make a list of other things that are not marriage, that are not kids, um, that I might be interested in doing. Just like, let's start a list. And I remember making the list being hard because Uh. we're so acculturated to only want those other things that things that are not related to marriage or kids were like, oh, I have to actually like think a little harder because I'm so conditioned to want the first two. Can you talk a bit about how and why (laughs) we're acculturated this way where people are growing up basically either, you know, choosing, not even choosing, but almost defaulting to being moms or wives and moms Um, without even thinking about it and how that sort of default is changing people, this generation, especially, I think they're, they're, they're rejecting um, that, that premise, but how and why are we acculturated in this way that makes basically all women feel like a failure if they're not a mom or a wife? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, there is, as I'm sure, you know, a long history from like the beginning of time, right? Why we have these certain drives to marry and mother and create, uh, family systems that create flourishing for us, but those look different over different cultures and have vastly changed as time and technology has caught up with us. So what I found so interesting in researching this book is what you just said, even though time and technology have caught up with us and we see that there are so many different ways in which a woman can live a good life, we still have this strong cultural pull because of something I'm called the mother scripts, but they're just these social scripts, these things we say to one another, these things we see being said on movie screens and across family tables, things like 
your biological clock is ticking or motherhood is the toughest job in the world or my favorite, you'll never know love until you become a mother. And we hear these things. And I think part of us is like, eh, is that true? Is that true for me? But so many people couldn't be saying this one thing and conspiring on this one message if there weren't a little truth in it. And so we kind of get in herd mentality, I think sometimes, where even if we're not sure we want marriage or motherhood, we feel like to um, peel off from the pack would be social suicide. And so there's a lot of cultural pressure um, to do what's safe. And for a long time, marriage and motherhood was safe, both socially, um, but also financially. Um, for women. And so we're just now, it feels like coming into another season um, of time and technology where women are rethinking marriage and motherhood um, in really creative ways, but we need more blueprints. And that's part of why I wrote the book is to share my own story um, of going off script, but also to share the stories of other childless and child-free and women making meaning beyond mothering. Like, what does that look like? And can we stir the imagination? I even like that you say child free instead of childless because it frames it almost as a thing where, no, 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 you're sort of liberated from having kids and that is an opportunity for you as opposed to childless, which sounds like, you know, you're an old maid or something um, like that card game we had when we were kids. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your story, because I think that's helpful in, in setting up the context um, of how you come to this conversation. So you grew up in church as a, you know, in, I believe, Missouri, right? Um, so you're from Midwest, church, church-going person. I can relate to that part of your upbringing very much. And so that's why <laughs> it was probably hard for me to come up with a list of not wife or mother-related things because I've been so conditioned to believe that that was like, that is the ultimate goal, even like beyond career goals or any of the other goals you have in your life. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you viewed these issues changed um, over time. Yeah, so I grew up Catholic um, outside of Chicago, so close enough to Missouri. And I realized really early on that there were two good outcomes for my life, according to the church. It was either mother or mother superior. Either I was going to marry a man and have children of my own, or I was going to do the like selfless thing and organize my life around celibacy and other people's children. And while I was a very pious child, um, when it came to imagining motherhood, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't feel what I was supposed to feel. And I began to notice sometime around high school that my friends, even my friends who were very independent women, um, already and had lots of career goals, it was like, yeah, but you can do that in motherhood. And there was this idea that like, you could just add motherhood to whatever you felt called to do in life. I mean, this was kind of like the excessive eighties. I grew up in the eighties where like, <laughs> right. Like motherhood was like a chia pet, like just add water. Um, <laughs> and your life would turn out. And I just remember feeling like, no, but I think actually, one, that's going to be too much for me. I think I realized early on that there was just too much pressure to have it all. Um, and I realized very early on, I'm a limited capacity woman. <laughs> who cannot, cannot um, burn it at both ends every day. And so I think that's how I began to realize motherhood. I, I just don't think I can do it and do the other things I actually feel really curious about, like writing 
um, and teaching and um, creating spaces of solitude for people to connect with themselves and God in less structured spaces. And so I had the dumb luck of meeting a man very early in my life at 18 um, who shared this um, desire for more margin in our lives and desire to be available to our community in more creative ways. And we honestly just didn't think biological children, the way we saw it playing out in a lot of American families was compatible with that, with that ethos. So we went around calling ourselves child-free for the common good to sort of <laughs> stick it to the man that we weren't doing it to be selfish, shallow, and self-absorbed. We were doing it because it came out of a calling, a, a, a desire to show up in the world in a particular way and be available to a different set of family and kin and friendships. Um, and then the joke was on us because we ended up um, as one of our ways of being available to our community, foster parenting, thinking this would be a great way of temporarily coming alongside other families and other parents and other children. And then the very first placement that um, we met, a sister set of three school-age girls um, quickly needed a permanent home. Um, and for reasons I spent a whole book unpacking or at least half of it we said yes I mean it, it's it's really cool your story because I think um you know sort of coming to the realization um that child free like is a desirable thing and sort of like all right we're gonna live this way and then even changing your mind it shows that you can do both <laughs> if you want, but also you could not if you don't want to. <laughs> um, and I think like the the sort of liberation around that idea, it's something we need more of in this moment. I mean, one of the things that is is a conversation I know in Gen Z is do we want, I mean, millennials too, do we want to have kids um, in a world where climate change is like an existential crisis looming over their heads and it could like be catastrophe and that's what they're going to have to be here living through um how does that factor into your thinking around how this generation and also even maybe you think about um deciding to have kids or deciding not to have kids i mean because that's a conversation that i see a lot right now especially among the gen z's but even um some millennials as well. Yes. So there is a, uh, a slew of research that says the main reason the newer, younger generations are foregoing biological children um, has to do with social unrest, financial instability, and to a slightly lesser degree, climate change. That there is a sense that our world is on fire and it might benefit some of us um, to focus on taking care of who's here rather than bringing new bodies into this world. And I think that is a beautiful commitment um, that needs to be celebrated more. I think anyone who is actually doing the work of parenting, and that's more people than we you know, give the official parent title to, um, knows how much other adults, like capital A adults who are doing their work and showing up for their lives and trying to live big, beautiful existences, how much we need those people in the world. And we don't need everyone to be going home at 6 p.m. and you know cooking mac and cheese over the stove. Um, that's important, 
but we need people to be doing all kinds of things and coming along families in all kinds of ways. And I think that's one of the, um, oh, I don't want to say silver lining because there's no silver lining to the world being on fire, but I do think it has given us uh, an invitation to discern and to, as you said earlier, get creative about, mm -hmm. okay, if this world isn't the kind of world I want to raise children in, then what am I compelled to do? And who are the people who are doing work um, that I think is healing? And I want to come alongside them. I've always said that um, I'm not a frontline worker. I'm like a hospice worker. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any shame in that. <laughs> um, I think there's no shame in saying, I don't want to be on the front lines of this, but I want to support the people who are. Um, and that's, that's how my husband and I came into fostering. Um, and now that we are parents, one of my griefs is that I wish there were still uh, a larger network around us, um, supporting us and, um, doing home visits mm -hmm. <laughs> and checking to make sure like our old windows open. Yeah. So I do think there's, um, creativity that this mm -hmm. new season of life calls for. And then again, celebration, what we celebrate matters. And I think we need to be celebrating anyone who calls uncle on their limits or aunt or <laughs> non-gendered adult. Um, I right. just think that yeah. there's something really beautiful about that. Well, because you started the conversation sort of saying some of the things that we, we say, but, and we take for granted and we don't question, like, you know, you'll never lo know love until you're a mom or mothering is the hardest thing. And it always puts mothering on this pedestal and it makes the people who are not mothers, you know, feel like they're not on the pedestal. Um, yeah. but you, one of the things that you say is there, there are more meaningful things than, than mothering or being a mom. I mean, what are some of those things, um, that you've discovered and that you talk about in the book that, you know, can be considered more meaningful than mothering that we should consider? Because I think that more people out there should expand their minds also because as in your own example, deciding for a period or a season in your life, not to be a mother can change. And then in the next phase, you're like, I want to be a mother now. So it can change. But I think you actually have to go through the thought process of expanding your mind beyond the default and saying, what could be more meaningful in my life if I took mothering off the table? Yes. So a lot of the women I interviewed in the book spoke about, um, use the language of calling, um, about their work life. So work is sort of an obvious one and not in this, like, again, working girl, Melanie Griffith. Um, if I don't have children, then I'm going to be a quote career woman, um, who actually doesn't exercise, um, or have friendships or do <laughs> other things. Um, just that there's actually research that shows the more a woman wants to have social impact through her work, the less likely it is she'll become a mother. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's something to mourn. I think that makes sense that um, we realize that work um, that takes a lot out of us is going to take a lot of margin when we come home at the end of the day. So that's one thing. I think there's social impact work um, that a lot of women who are child-free are giving themselves to in really meaningful ways. The second thing is friendship. Friendship, I'm, I'm just the biggest fan in the world of friendship. I think it's one of the most over underrated things um, that we should be over the moon about. But all of the research about women in old age, because often childless or child-free women get shamed by saying, well, one, you are going to change your mind when you get older, and then it's going to be too late. 
um, and you're going to be miserly and, and poor and without anyone to take care of you. Um, and that's not what the research shows at all. Um, it shows that friendship is a better protectant against misery and old age than one's own family. And I think if we knew that and we believed that, we would invest in friendship at a different level than we do. We would uh, commit to friends at a different level than we do. Maybe we would even have sacraments of friendship in the church instead of just sacraments for marriage um, and baptism. So I think those are two things, um, having social impact in your community and then friendship. Um, friendship is such a big one. And in some ways, I think this book is an ode, an ode to friendship. I love having social impact in your community. I mean, I love that it is thinking of that as more like as something that's important. I mean, we don't talk about that enough. <laughs> um, are you doing anything good for the world around you? Um, I mean, I think people only think about like, I'm here to protect my family. But what if Mm-hmm. You could say the same thing and you were doing things to protect your neighbor. Especially because yes. isn't that grounded in biblical principles? I feel like well, there's, a, there's a little rule around that. <laughs> yes. And I think that's, that's, the, oh, that's the interesting thing is religious women um, experience more stigma when they choose to be child free than their secular counterparts. And that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, because mother love really is venerated in a lot of our world religions and, and kept, uh, Catholicism in particular. Um, but when I looked into, um, one, the Bible, um, one (laughs) theological history, um, all of these things that make up how we come to believe what we believe in our different faith systems, um, in Christianity, other love, not mother love is lifted up as the highest form of love. And it's lifted up as the form of love that God shows us. And, um, I just think that we undersell that all of the time, that mother love is a kind of other love. Um, Of course, that falls under the umbrella, um, but you're right, loving ourselves and loving our neighbor um, and loving the source of love are are the things that really do make for a life well lived. Feels to me like if you're treating other people well, um, even if they're not your own kids, I mean, assuming you're treating your kids well, but you know, not not everybody follows that rule. So I, I just feel like there are so many principles in Christianity that I, as somebody, I'm the daughter of two pastors, but I grew up to become like super progressive feminist. So um, I've thought a lot about <laughs> these things, these assumptions, the things that were taught growing up. And I've always questioned them. I was always the kid in like Sunday school, like, are you sure that Jonah went inside of a whale and came out alive? I'm not sure that <laughs> meant, was meant literally. That just feels not possible are you sure it's not a metaphor no (laughs) i'm like eight raising my hand um we would have been friends i know no (laughs) i think we would have i definitely think so um but i think that um some of the the good things that come out of those questions are are really going back to the principles of what christianity in its best form is supposed to do for you which is to make you a nicer person (laughs) um in the world, right? A kinder, more compassionate person. I mean, if we sort of um, went back to some of those basics, you think even even if, you know, we sort of liberated women and people who can get pregnant and said, you know, be a mom, don't be a mom, but go out in the world and try to, you know, exude optimism, have a positive attitude, um, you know, try to be compassionate and empathetic, small acts of kindness. I mean, why don't we just re- re- reteach all of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. 
Let's reteach everybody everything and start our own Sunday school class. <laughs> yeah, Sunday but I think, <laughs> I think what you're hitting on is exactly what I hope to do with this book, which is to say there is so much worth celebrating about a kind and compassionate life that does not hinge on whether you are a mother or not. And let's lift up those alternative examples so that women um, and other human beings know all of the big, beautiful ways there are to make meaning and live well and change your mind. And that's just part of being human. Um, and that's part of being co-creators of our lives um, and not just rote memorizers of the scripts. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, I feel like in some ways my parents, um, they're so fascinating to me as I get older because, you know, on the one hand, they very much like follow traditional sort of boomer, uh, you know, life plans of like marriage and kids and everything. But one of the things I realize now that I'm 40 is that when I turned 18, my parents were like, and we're done. We are done. <laughs> um, <laughs> goodbye. See, bye. So, oh, you live outside of our home. Um, and then they were like, we still have full lives. We're still doing all the mm -hmm. things. I mean, my mom got a PhD after her retirement. Like they just don't, my dad still has a job, two jobs. He still has two jobs. He's retired. So, so they never sort of looked at marriage and parenting as the end of anything anyway. So I think mm. that also, um, you know, helped spark this conversation in my mind. And I hope those of you at home pick up Aaron's book, um, and try to think through some of these questions. Sit with it. Because a lot of the assumptions that we are taught growing up, they need to be questioned. Because, you know, I mean, are you looking at the world around you? Does it seem like it's going super well and perfect? No, maybe not. So the book is Someone Other Than a Mother, Flipping the Script on a Woman's Purpose and Making Meaning Beyond Motherhood. I love it. Book by Erin Lane. Thank you so much for being here today. It was great to have you. Oh, my pleasure, Zerlina. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.